Welcome to KC by Sari, a podcast for Kansas City enthusiasts. I'll take you behind the scenes and you'll learn why this Midwestern gem is so special. This week, I'm joined by Sarah Sippel, food and drink editor at The Pitch. Sarah talks about constantly being in the know of all things KC and some of her favorite local businesses to support. Here is Sarah to talk about writing and eating around the city. KC by Sari. I had really first come across your name on Instagram. I think it probably was Kate posting a story and tagging you. And I love Kate so much. I have just loved every every minute of uh, hanging out with her since I first met her through Instagram. So I probably was looking at a story and was like, oh, like, who's she hanging out with? Like, she knows cool people. She's always hanging out with fun people. And then, you know, the way the metaverse works, I then started seeing like all the articles that you were writing for the pitch. And I was like, oh, this is the same person. And so it kind of clicked that way, which is just kind of a funny, you know, the power of social media. I I came across your stuff also through Kate. Again, small world. But she, yeah, she had mentioned your your name and your content before. And so I think, I don't know if we were like at somewhere that you had just been or something, but that's so funny. Kate is the common denominator. Yes. <laughs> so sweet. How long have you been writing for the pitch? I have only been writing for the pitch for just over a year and a half. Um, I was hired for other purposes, um, a lot of marketing um, content um, for the pitch for newsletters and social media and our membership program. But that like I still do most of those things, too. But the writing expanded and expanded. Um, and so what the the quick story is that I am in charge of the um, weekly, well, all of the newsletters, but once a week we have a food and drink newsletter and it's just a, you know, culmination of all of the, well, not all, but the best food stories that went out the week before and a little section in that newsletter was just like, Hey, here's some things that are happening this week or some things we're really liking, or here are some um, special deals and sales or whatever specials. And um, I really enjoyed writing that section and it really uh, expanded it. And then um, last fall, I approached our editor and I was like, like, Hey, this, this is getting to be a lot of content and people are enjoying it. But I think, you know, it's only going to the newsletter subscribers. So what if we took this and made this its own weekly column kind of thing? So more people could see it because you can't exactly share, can't easily share newsletter content to social media. So it needed to have its own spot on the website. So then, you know, local restaurants and bars and cafes were were liking it too, because it was just a way to help spread, you know, obviously that's just what the news is. You know, it's not paid advertising. It's just a way to spread what's going on and stay connected to the community. And so um, the column just continued. And then in between then, in between it becoming its own standalone column and then in, uh, and me starting, to work for the pitch, um, I started taking on other food stories. So um, I've done little food stories. We call these this little recurring column or type of story called eat this now or drink this now. 
it is just truly like featuring one dish or one type of drink from a restaurant that um, myself or any of our other writers really enjoyed. And it's just a way to really quickly, easily highlight a local place that someone on staff is enjoying at the time. So that is, um, it's it's only been about a year and a half, but it's just evolved pretty quickly. And yeah, a lot of stories, a lot of stories uh, in that year and a half. <laughs> what an amazing time to be involved in the Kansas community because the amount of content at your fingertips to write about seems endless right now, which even five years ago wouldn't have seemed the case and especially 10 years ago. So how fun for you to be in this role now and recognize that people were loving what you were writing and the fact that there really was so much like meat to the content, so to speak. Yes, exactly. There's times where, um, you know, certain months or weeks, maybe seasons where the job is so busy and um, I'm overwhelmed, but it's always such a, like such a pleasant way to be overwhelmed. Like there's so many good things happening and it's hard to keep up, but that's like the best kind of problem to have. And um, like, I, I always have this list going of restaurants and um, stuff that's going to be opening. And it's just, every time I add to it, I'm like, what another, Um, but on the flip side, it's still important to remember to support the places that all like, you know, have been around for a few years or are still in that phase where they're not brand new. They're not getting a lot of attention that way but they're really still trying to solidify it, maybe get to the point where they can turn a profit and um, just kind of not forget about the the places that have been tried and true and reliable for a long time. So that's one of the um, like editorial style uh, balances that we have to strike. And um, because it's really easy to, especially for my schedule to only think about brand new places and visit brand new places because if there's something opening every week, then that's where my attention goes to for journalism reasons. But then finding that balance of also highlighting places that have been serving the community for a long time is something we try to make sure we're always thinking about. A good journalist never reveals their sources, but are you able to share where you're finding the restaurant openings and the places that you write about? Being in journalism means that most of the time people come to us. So um, I, I spend a lot of time seek, like scouring the internet, all corners of the internet for events and deals and specials and stuff. But when it comes to big things like an opening or even sometimes like um, a brand new chef coming on board somewhere or um, a big menu change or remodel, they basically they come to us. And by they, I mean, sometimes the restaurant owners themselves, and most of the time, it's some sort of PR company that they have hired for just a temporary services to help promote whatever their new, their new restaurant, their new, you know, style or offerings. So I will say most of the time, they come to us um, and and I'm getting the same press releases that every other magazine and newspaper is getting. And we usually get the same images. And so we just, we write it in each, our own voice that represents each um, publication. And if we can, we go and we take our own photos and um, hopefully try things. And, and it just, it gives the people who live here or who come here to eat, whatever, maybe tourists, but it gives people a wide variety of interpretations um, from all the different 
um, publications and, you know, magazines and newspapers, but also, and now social media, like influencers. So getting to follow along with a newspaper or a specific journalist or an influencer that you trust and connect with, and then hear their perspective on something new is really cool. It's really nice that we have such a, uh, a bigger diversity in how news gets spread nowadays. So that's really the main source is people coming to us because of it is traditional journalism and it's usually through the restaurants themselves or PR companies. When you're visiting businesses to give a write-up, what are some of the key elements you're considering of what you'll write? Great question. There's two kind of circumstances where I would be visiting someplace to write about it. And the first is basically I'm there on their invitation. So I'm there maybe alone or maybe with a group of other journalists or influencers or um, like restaurant friends and family to preview something. So I could be there to like, basically they know I'm there. It's not anonymous by any means. They're going to be the restaurant or bar or cafe. is going to be putting on their, their best face, of course, to, um, you know, represent themselves well. And then the other circumstance where I would go do that is where I'm just going on my own. Like I'm just choosing to go visit this place or write about this thing because I want to try it um, or because I already know I love it. And in those situations, that second circumstance where it's just my choice, that is always anonymous. So there's two different, two different categories um, and they do have their own kind of differences. Like, you know, if I'm writing a story about an opening, um, like one of my recent examples of this is Stock Hill on the plaza. They redecorated and have a new menu and they invited me and a few other food writers to go try it and write about it if we wanted to. But in that kind of circumstance, I wouldn't write about things like the service was amazing and the atmosphere was this and this because that was kind of an artificial environment since they invited us. Um, And then if I was going on my own, that's when I know my photographs are going to be exactly what people can expect when they go because there was no special treatment by any means. Um, The service I can speak a little more like I could I could actually speak to because that is as far as anyone knows, I'm just a regular customer. Like it's not like this is ratatouille and I just, I just don't know if there's any food writers in Kansas city that have the um, esteem or whatever that people think of when we like think of like a movie food critic, like people aren't shaking in their boots or trying to impress us. It's not, nothing's like that. So the element of anonymity helps keep things really authentic, you know, to write about what the service is really like and um, you know, how the food is presented. Um, But then again, what we do at the pitch, we are not food critics. That really takes a different path. That takes something where, you know, a restaurant is given multiple chances over multiple times to um, really prove themselves before someone would really do a really in-depth critique. So most of what we do is is a lot more surface level with a focus on um, informing the local people in local neighborhoods what there is to eat and drink and do. So it's a lot more surface level than that, but the things, okay, finally to go to back to answer your actual question, the, <laughs> the 
things I'm looking for um, is price. I like to share. Sometimes I forget to note everything, but I like to share the price. So just to be upfront about it, because of course that's a, an important aspect for almost everybody. And then um, I try to get a variety, you know, whether that means, you know, appetizers all the way to desserts, or if that means including some non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah. So that's, I usually, if I'm with a group or a partner or anything like that, I always try to get everybody to order different things <laughs> so we can ha sample the most. Um, one of my favorite examples recently that I've done, I think three times now is barbacoa. It's a Mexican American barbecue style restaurant. Uh, I think about 55th and Troost. And it is one of my favorites. I can confidently say that I recommend it and enjoy it. But um, each time I've been there, I think we've ordered like 95% of the menu. And it's um, it's great because you can get a really full sampling of everything they have to offer. And I know that's not normal or realistic for um, people most of the time. But when possible, it's something that I try to do so that I can have a more full scope picture of what the restaurant has to offer. I'm not just going to get one little, you know, Caesar salad and then claim that the whole restaurant is awesome or the whole restaurant is terrible or anything like that. So, um, yeah, price offerings. Um, I do like to write about the environment and the atmosphere and, um, focus on kind of like the almost accessibility, but the experience in like really practical nitty gritty terms. Like, is it impossible to park there? Does it, is it only accessible by stairs? Um, is it really dark? You're going to need your cell phone light to look at the menu. Things like that are other elements that I focus on. Are there any places that have jumped out as some of your favorites to get to experience and that you've been able to write about? One of the favorite things that I've been able to do is take over this column, at least temporarily take over this column called Mise en Place. Um, I think it's, I, I did not come up with the title, um, but I think it means everything in its place. And it's, um, it, it kind of goes beyond food writing and it's an interview style column that focuses on the actual chef or baker or, you know, um, restaurant owner and it gives a different approach to looking at the hospitality industry and the customer experience and everything. So being able to sit down and talk with like Ashley Bear of Hema Hema, the chef and owner. I know you love that one too. Or Guru of um, District Biscuits um, It's and, and a few others. It's really cool to hear from the people who started it themselves to hear almost always that they're so passionate about what they do and they care so much. And um, yeah, so to be able to give them the recognition and get to know them better and hear their side has been really rewarding. So that column, it goes in the magazine every month. And I think we it's, it just happens once a month. So it's in the magazine and then uh, which comes out the first week of each month. And then within a week or two, it's that story would be ran online. But then the other stories that honestly have stuck out to me the most that I've been able to cover have not even been about restaurants. They have been just these kind of one-off um, cultural events that maybe I, I was asked to write, like go cover last minute because someone else couldn't or whatever, or something like 
I just really, really wanted to go do this and write about it. So the three that the three stories that really have stuck with me and have been such a, a joy to write and work on was covering the Y2K dance party at the Truman. This was like pretty much, I was one of the oldest people, but pretty much young people and blasting out to like Lizzie McGuire songs and um, Shrek and Princess Princess Diaries and things like that. It was, it was like a Disney Y2K rave kind of thing. So I wrote about that, but I got to like take photos of people's outfits and it was just so, so joyful. But then the other two are on similar lines. Um, I got to review the Broadway show six when it came to the music hall, which was so powerful and beautiful and cool. And then when Quixotic had their whiskey dynamite show throughout the whole, pretty much whole winter at crown center, um, I was able to review that too. And I, I really loved it so much. I ended up going back again. So I've, those are, those are really the only, some of the only non-food stories I've done, but they've stuck with me because they have thankfully been just like really incredible experiences. And uh, it just really shows that Kansas City just has so much to offer. Um, those are just three really random things that were specific to things that I like. Um, and yeah, just it's a good little sampling snippet of how the talent in Kansas City from chefs to performers to bartenders and the creativity is strong here. What are some struggles that come with that and being a journalist and having to juggle all of these things at once? Absolutely. There, there's no such thing as a perfect industry. And I'd say probably the number one struggle in our, in the industry is just, it's probably compensation or even job security. Um, it was just, I think today that the Washington post announced this massive round of layoffs. And of course we've at work, we follow along with stuff like that. So um, job security and um, compensation, just as media changes and shifts a little bit and um, things like that. So that's one that's one big, uh, really common issue. And then another thing would be just not pleasing everybody, of course, um, no matter who you are and what you write for, or what you put out, you're surely going to upset somebody. But on that to that end, I will say I'm thankful that I work at a pretty um, unapologetic uh, magazine and website like we don't pretend to be middle of the road we don't pretend to be wishy-washy by any means um, and so yeah we we have our stances and it is what it is so we we understand that people not we're not for everybody <laughs> and hopefully people can identify that quickly and see themselves out uh, from our websites or anything if they notice that hopefully that will happen quickly and then the last real struggle for for this industry um, is boundaries, like boundaries, meaning time, like this job never stops. It's like, I actually haven't taken a vacation yet in this job. And I'm kind of dreading the time when I have to, like, I will be able to re like schedule some work, but some things I may just have to try to do, even if we're five time zones away, but even like scheduling time uh, to, if you, you know, trying to decide boundaries, am I, is my 
Slack going to be active all the time? Is it not? Am I um, going to dedicate this time with my family or am I going to be flexible? Just things like that. But then also it's an increasing um, struggle or area for boundaries that's um, becoming more common is the boundary for social media and journalism. And I find myself in this um, spot, but I, but I know I'm not the only one, even around here. I know that there's, there's um line where social media is, is a job and a, just a fun creative outlet, but then also there's journalism. And so defining and enforcing boundaries to keep, both sides ethical is, uh, I wouldn't say it's a struggle of the industry, but it's, it's an important thing that, um, more and more people are wrestling with, you know, I would never, ever want someone to think that if they paid me for a social media campaign, then that means they get coverage on the magazine or website. Like that's just so far from the truth. And, um, it's never, nothing weird has ever come up about that, but that's just one of the areas of boundaries where you just have to just be aware of ahead of time and wrestle with yourself and define, but then enforce, you know, everything from timing and personal life and then, yeah, social media. So those are, those are the three biggest maybe struggles and barriers or obstacles in the industry is compensation and security. Um, it's not like we're all worried about AI. Um, it's not really a concern that a lot of people think about. Um, we still still have to have the real people to ask the real people questions and take photos and design things. Um, so it's not really a threat. We're not really utilizing AI. And I'm not saying that will never happen, but um, just more of a, a change in priorities and where the where the money goes in in the world overall and in in media. But it's all worth it. <laughs> For me as a reader, that unapologetic, we are going to put out our beliefs and you know, you can't please everyone. And there are people who are going to read that and not agree. And that's okay. They can put it away and it's not for them. You said just dealing with sort of those gray areas. And I think the best thing is just that keeping that authenticity alive and people really resonate with it. When you are able to take those moments for yourself and really step away from the job, what does life in Kansas City look like for you? That is such a sweet question. I mean, I love life in KC. I have a dog and a spouse and uh, we like to sometimes, if depending on the weather and depending on, you know, how our elderly dog is doing, sometimes we'll just take a drive and go explore neighborhoods we haven't looked at before or go try to find, you know, go to a, a lake or a park that we've never been into. Um, and then other times we'll walk, you know, just last week, we don't live anywhere near Waldo, Waldo, but we went to the uh, trolley track trail just because I knew it was fun and cute. And um, yeah. And then I, I haven't been as good with about, about this, this fall, but I, in general, make myself go to the Nelson or, or the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art, um, like at least once a month. They're, they're free. And especially the Kemper, it changes exhibits so often that it always feels fresh. And yeah, there's just, there really is so much to offer, but um, there's also nice low key moments like, you know, having a little board game night or card games. I mean, on the lawn of the Liberty Memorial at sunset, like there's so many free chill things to do 
with family and friends or a date or whatever. So that's the kind of stuff I'm up to. And um, definitely good, like still eating out at more restaurants and bars and coffee shops than I could ever possibly write about. Um, <laughs> just trying to make the most of everything that is available to us here. And then also I have family around. So lots of time with little ones, niece, nephew, brothers and sisters, and, you know, chiefs games, everything like that. There's, it's just fun. And then for relaxing, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a lot of any like relaxing hobbies, but I'm just a champion sleeper. Like I prioritize sleep and I'm, I've just really am a champion sleeper. So that's my, that's my relaxation. I I recharge at night and then I'm, I'm good to go. (laughs) With being so in the know of things going on in Kansas city for both work and just personal interests, where are some of your favorite hidden gems in Kansas city? I always say, and I won't say I coined the phrase by any means, but I had never heard anyone refer to Kansas city as the city of hidden gems. I have said that many times I've been told that apparently is like a known statement, but five years ago, I started calling Kansas City the city of hidden gems. What are some (laughs) of your favorite hidden gems in Kansas City? Well, I'll say I have not heard anyone else say that. So that's another tally for you. I already mentioned the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art. Again, it's, it's a free museum and they have fresh exhibits rotating all the time. So that's one of my favorites. And again, I don't think I'm anything I'm going to share is a true hidden gem that someone hasn't maybe heard of. But I do think these are places that don't get the big, big buzz that our other places do. So it's not necessarily a hidden gem, but I think it's a gem for sure. So the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, there's also a restaurant that, I mean, that could be considered a hidden gem. Cafe Sebastian is kind of a hidden gem inside Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art. And I've ate there probably a half dozen times and had a lovely time every time. So headed way south in Olathe, maybe even Gardner area. Area. I think Casey Wineco is a gem. I think that they do a great job of having really engaging seasonal events um, for their target audience. And I think it's a really fun day trip to make to um, Olathe to go to Casey Wineco. And then similar to that, but in the opposite direction, in Weston, I think Holiday Distillery is another one that is... Um, a hidden gem. It's I would say it's a hidden gem because they make McCormick vodka. They make the vodka that probably far too many college students, maybe high schoolers know that has just been iconic for a long time. But I grew up never knowing that it was made so close to home. Um, <laughs> but they all have a lovely distillery and, you know, tours and tasting room and everything. So if you're ever doing a Weston little day trip, Holiday Distillery is a lovely gem. Um, and then also kind of north, there's a couple little trails, um, little parks, trails kind of thing that I think are lovely. And one of them, so English Landing Park is in Parkville and it's right on the river. I wouldn't say it's ever crowded, but it's definitely not a secret. Um, and there's a few co- coffee shops right near there. So that's a lovely little outing. But there are are trails at like Briarcliff West. So you would park in the parking lot, like 
where Trezomare and Ombra and Headrush Roasters are. So you'd park in the parking lot there at Briarcliff. And then there's this just lovely little trails that go through the woods in a residential area. Um, And I couldn't even find a name for the trails, but Briarcliff West is the area. And it feels like you're in the Ozarks. Um, It's just really hilly and really fun. But then uh, one last place that I think is a hidden gem and then I have a couple other like small businesses that I think are pretty unique, but uh, Lay Lounge inside No Vacancy, I would say is a hidden gem. It's, I hope it stays kind of a hidden gem only because it's so tiny. I've been, I've, I've been there a lot and sometimes it gets pretty crowded. And so I hope it doesn't get too big because they literally just, they can't, they just can't handle it because it's so tiny. But being able to visit the lounge space inside No Vacancy, which it's a boutique hotel. So unless you stay there, that you would never, you would never have been able to visit the hotel, which is gorgeous. And it's in Crossroads. So it's just a spot that um, I'm glad they opened a little lounge um, bar plus lots of non-alcoholic drinks too. But they're only open a couple nights a week and for a couple hours. So in that case, it's like almost like a speakeasy kind of hidden gem. And then there's a few small businesses that I think are pretty special here. These are all food related. <laughs> um, but Spice Bandit makes this makes this um, like a Bloody Mary spice mix. And I I just don't know how else to describe it other than it's, it's basically tastes like a, a Bloody Mary. And you would also want to add it to a Bloody Mary. I add it to my eggs almost every morning. Um, but it's a local company and I just really am a fan of their spice mix and I've never seen anything else like it before at a grocery store or like other cities or markets. And then I also love that we have Maddie's Vegan Foods and I love that they have their own standalone restaurant, but I really think it's great that you can find their products at lots of coffee shops. It's a good way to be inclusive with different you know, dietary needs. And then also plant-based is the C word cakery. And I am not going to describe a lot of what they do because it is not, it, I you, I would need to be like bleeped out, but their whole thing is just like really edgy adult plant-based cupcakes, cakes, everything. They're so detailed. And again, maybe I'm sure things like that exist in other cities, but what we have here with C word cakery is so good and so unique. So those are some little little gems. Again, maybe not so hidden, but gems for sure. Knowing that holidays are right around the corner, which is crazy to think about. We are already at the end of 2023. Is there anything that you know of that is going on in Kansas City? Any holiday activities that are happening you have written about you think people would want to know about? There's a restaurant called Third Street Social that started in Lee Summit. And then um, there's one on the South Plaza. They are opening a third location in the Northland. Um, So I'm excited about that. That's not even like the closest to me, but still, I'm just excited that they're still growing and expanding. Take Care is a new coffee shop in Crossroads that should be open by now. It's their first, This the two men that own it, it's their first coffee shop. They have literally a lifetime of experience working in coffee shops and then also roasting coffee. So what's unique about them is the, um, when they talk about coffee, they talk about black coffee. They don't talk about, um, you know, pulling the perfect espresso shot or something. They don't really like, they don't immediately nerd out over coffee varieties and beans and stuff. So I think that it's going to be a really welcoming 
experience. And then the other thing unique about them is that they are focusing on just one um, food type at the coffee shop, and that's biscuits and having um, special special butters and unique, you know, rotating things like that. So it's going to be a, a unique offering, but I have, I think I have confidence in them. Um, it being their first spot. I think that um, they're, they're very thoughtful people and I look forward to trying it. I hope that's all true. Also Cauldron Collective is opening with Turnsall Books um, on, I think it's Broadway, right near the um, Kaufman Center for Performing Arts. Cauldron Collective is an, such a good um, plant. I'm not, I'm not vegan, but I just, I know that they have fabulous, fully plant-based comfort food. Um, and they used to serve out of the ship and then they took a hiatus for a while. And now they're opening back up in that shared space with a bookstore. And I'm very excited to be able to try that again. And then also just really looking forward to the holiday, Christmas, everything pop-ups. Just like Halloween time, just like any time of the year, there are some that are stronger than others with, you know, quality of drinks. There's some pop-ups that are stronger than others with their decor or theme. And there's just a lot to offer. Sometimes I think maybe too much. But there's, we, we're clearly hungry. We as the city and people are, you know, hungry for the fun of it. So I'm really looking forward to see, um, seeing what we can, what, what Kansas city has to offer this time with Christmas pop-ups. Um, I know that winter skies is going to open again. And that is the one in the hotel. I have Sheraton, I think. And it's, it's a lovely view, but it's very, very small, like conductor club and almost impossible to get into. Um, so yeah, there should be a wider variety with hopefully miracle and vignettes and other places doing other themed um, pop-up bars for all sorts of the holidays and winter and just that kind of fun that I'm really looking forward to. It's great that our city is able to support so many things that in some way are similar, but really unique and individual in others. The pop-up world is so fun and love seeing what everyone has created. It's awesome. Where can people find you? Where can they find your stories? your social media, plug all of the socials. Yeah. Well, since you invited me on here as food editor, I'll start with my, the pitch. Um, the pitch is on pretty much every platform, but we, uh, the one thing I recommend, I think it's easiest is to sign up for the newsletters that are free. And um, they're just, we don't send, we don't send everything every day. Each day has a different theme. You know, for example, Wednesdays are our food newsletters. Thursdays are, culture. So it's a lot of music and concerts and theater and artists um, and makers. And so on the pitch website, it's just a little pop-up where you can sign up for the, the newsletters for free, but you can just pick the ones that interest you. And that way you get a little summary each week. And um, it's really easy. Just It, it helps the news come to you, the, the news that you're interested in. Um, but of course we have the website, the full website that's, you know, gets a dozen plus stories a day. So that's, that's a, just a good bookmark to have, to just hop in and look and see, you know, oh, what concerts are coming up or, um, oh, this author's doing a book signing and things like that. We have the magazine too, lovely, like shiny full color magazine that comes out, uh, the beginning of each month. There are like 500 locations for picking up 
the magazine around Kansas City and Lawrence and then a few other, you know, surrounding areas. And um, the magazine is just, it's just fun. It's, it's, a, it's more on the adult side. We have um, a sex therapist column and um, some ads for non-child, non-kids things. So I would say it's more for adults, but so that's, there's a lot for the pitch there. Um, and then for myself personally, I also am active on Instagram and TikTok, um, a lot more videos and content on TikTok. It's just a fun, silly time over there on TikTok. And I, I love it. And, and um, in both both spots, you can find like my bio that has links to either social media site. It has links to email me. It has links to um, read all my stories. Um, and then the last thing I recommend to people, if if food is what interests you, Kansas City restaurants and that kind of news, what you can do is set up a Google alert for KC Sips. It's Sips with two Ps. It's based on my name, of course, two Ps. The column comes out um, every Thursday morning. It's published online and it just has a roundup of everything that's happening that weekend and then like food news so if a restaurant is opening it'll be in there um if i got to go to the restaurant or a bar whatever is opening i will write a little bit about it and it's just it's really fun but it's also really quick and easy to read like nothing is more no little part is more than like two or three sentences long so it's little bite-sized things it's divided up in little sections like what's new and then what's you know happening each day of the week and and yeah, you can set a little Google alert so that when the column goes live, you can get it emailed to you from Google. It's very easy that way too. So lots of ways to stay informed. In fact, it's probably overwhelming how many ways there are to stay informed. <laughs> you are such a fantastic writer and I love seeing all the things that you're experiencing and sharing about the city. Thank you. I, I just have one one more thing to add. I never actually said my name. So then you don't know how to find me on social media, but the name is Sarah Sipple. And so on Instagram, it's just Sarah Sipple. And then on TikTok, it's Sarah.Sipple and it's S-I-P-P-L-E. Um, but yeah, like you said, picking up news, it's it's really nice. It's really important, I think, to have to get your news from multiple sources. In fact, if you can combine, you know, become reliant on a national news source and a local news source that will hopefully keep things not not necessarily more more or less balanced, but just help to keep um, a broader broader range of things and and not just get news only from, you know, Facebook or only from TV or only from one newspaper. So just mixing it up, I think is really healthy and um, a way to stay truly connected to your community. Be sure to follow Sarah on social media and find her articles and columns in the pitch. For more Kansas City content, you can follow me at Casey Vicery. See you next week for another amazing episode. Every
I say.